All About You is a memoir. I have tried to recreate events, locales, and conversations from my memories of them. In order to maintain their anonymity in some instances, I have changed the names of individuals and places. I may have changed some identifying characteristics and details, such as physical properties, occupations, and places of residence. Chapter 31 You had the power all along, my dear. Years later, and still no word, I spent hours thinking about the journey that had led me to find her. I traveled through the world of what if, imagining the hundreds of different ways these paths could have led me to her. Would another have been better? When I was much older, I helped my adoptive mother clean out things from my childhood home. As she aged and her Parkinson's disease began to claim her freedom and her independence, even in her own home, she began to feel the need to organize her house and get her affairs in order. It made me sad to see her aging so quickly, but it was shadowed by my feelings of annoyance at her extreme attachment to her things. She was seriously expecting me to take time to organize the years of crap she had accumulated. By the way, she would take great offense at the word crap. She would say she has very nice things. I tried to explain to her that Jonathan and I were all grown up. We had our own houses full of crap. Some of my things are actually crap. And what in the world were we supposed to do with her things apart from selling them? The things I wanted from her were not her fancy antiques and hand-woven rugs. They were a piece of costume jewelry she and Daddy had picked up in Florida on their honeymoon, or the little collection of ceramic owls that once sat on a shelf in her sewing room, a quilt she had made with her own hands from my baby clothes. Those were the things that were precious to me. Well, even this infuriated her. Her house was full of her precious possessions. She insisted that she wanted to make a list of all her furniture and art and choose the child or grandchild who would inherit these things. She called me many times to get going on this project before I had the time to do it. In a way, I felt it was morbid. I didn't want to help her. But I finally realized that my mother's things were very important to her. They were the constant in her life, the things she could see and touch every day, unlike her children, who were fleeting visitors at best. She needed to believe that they would be handled properly after she was gone. We spent an entire day going from room to room. She told me what each piece meant, either where it came from or who bought it for her. We carefully and fairly decided who would need it and love it. She was very satisfied when we were done, but I could see the day had taken its toll on her. Okay, Mom, you really look exhausted. I'm going to take this home and type it all up and get it back to you. One copy for each of us and one for the attorney. No, Elizabeth, we haven't done the china and the things in the hutch and the dining room. She had already pulled herself out of her chair with the help of her three-pronged cane with tennis balls on the bottom. She didn't have quite the strength to make it, so I walked over and held her round the waist to steady her. You got this? I asked before I let go. Yeah. She headed in the direction she wanted to go. No one was telling Catherine Butler what she could and could not do. Once we reached the dining room, I pulled out a chair for her. She plopped down in it with all her weight, tired. Mom, 
Don't you just want to go lie down? I pleaded. I'm here. I'm going to do it. The hutch was loaded to the brim, like every other nook and cranny of her house. A lifetime collection of things. I saw so many pieces from my childhood that hadn't seen the light of day in ages. Oh, Mom, look! These are the candle holders for the Advent wreath. I showed them to her excitedly. I used to love it when these came out. It was the only time you allowed candles to be lit in the house. Do you remember? I held them close as memories came flooding back of the house decorated at Christmas and all the excitement that came with it. I still love the smell of a blown-out match. It will forever remind me of Christmas. Well, then you can take them if you want them. Take them now. I won't be using them again. Are you sure? It's fine, Elizabeth, she sighed. We moved more things around. Some white serving pieces for my daughters, some sterling silver for my brother. His wife had chosen the same silver pattern, so it was good to keep them together. Clever girl. Now what in the world is this? I removed an old ceramic booty. It was a vase that would have held a small flower arrangement. It was pink and white and quite old. Well, that was delivered when we got you. This is how she would always refer to my adoption when we got you. Lord, if I remember who sent it, it used to be in your nursery. So, not that old, I thought. It's all cracked and glued back together, I noted. Well, I'm sure you did that at some point. You were always jumping around. Daddy probably glued it back together. She always referred to her husband as Daddy. I never heard her call him John until we were much older. The thing that always stuck in my craw was that when she talked about my brother, she always, and without fail, called my father his daddy. Always. Every time. Even when she was talking to me about them, she would say something like, Jonathan is out with his daddy. She didn't do it on purpose, and if I called her out on it, she would think I was being overly sensitive. But I always thought, he's my daddy too. I don't know why that's in there, she said. You can just throw it away. No. I said, holding it, staring at it. I think I'll keep it. That old thing, she laughed. Yeah, I think I love it. It's a lot like me, Mom. It came into this house. It got a little broken up. But it's okay now. Just like me, don't you think? Tears began to sting the backs of my eyes, but I smiled. Well, anyway, she shrugged. I quickly turned back to my work. Well, now then, take your book, too, she said, pointing with her cane to a white box in the back of the hutch. On the top, it said, All About You. Inside was a baby book of the same name, still in its plastic jacket cover. It was my baby book. Oh, yeah, I laughed. I saw this as a child. I was so excited, and I opened it up, and there was nothing in it. It was always a bone of contention for me that there were seemingly hundreds upon thousands of pictures of my brother and ten of me. I exaggerate. But of those ten, Jonathan was in eight. His baby book was meticulously filled out in Mom's distinctive handwriting, and mine was all but empty. What? she exclaimed. She didn't remember. I opened it and flipped the first few pages. Nothing, nada. Just a list of the presents I got and the church program for my baptism. Oh, and look, in here, it's a picture of Jonathan. Oh, Elizabeth, you do go on. We both laughed. 
I loved that we could finally laugh at things like that. Well, then take it anyway. She dismissed the conversation with a wave of her shaky hand. What am I going to do with it now? I can't write in it. I can't hold a pencil well anymore. And besides, I can't remember what I wore yesterday. Oh, great, Mom. That just warms the heart. I returned the book into its box, and I tossed it on the table. It spun a little bit, so I could see the side of the box. I don't remember ever seeing this before. I had looked at the inside, not the outside. The box flap read, All About You, An Adopted Child's Memory Book. I froze. The answer had been staring at me from this hutch all my life. I was flabbergasted. How had I not seen this? That was the smoking gun that I had torn the house apart looking for as a teenager, cracking a family secret. I had it all along, just like Dorothy's ruby red slippers. I could have skipped the entire yellow brick road, all the turmoil, all the flying monkeys. Later, after the inventory was done, I left. Mom insisted on walking me to the door to make sure I remembered to lock it behind me, but she had to stop in the foyer and sit down a minute. Just watch me, Mom. I'm turning the handle, and when the door closes, it will be locked behind me. I'll even test it. Fine, Elizabeth, go on. She was breathing a little heavily, and it gave me pause to look at her so old and defeated. We got a lot done today, you know, Mom. It's all taken care of. She nodded, put her shaky hands in her lap, and sighed. With the expulsion of air, her shoulders sagged and she just kept nodding. I backed out of the door with that image in my mind. I carried my candlesticks, my book, and my little broken shoe to the car. Once inside the car, I tried to put the key in the ignition, but I was crying too hard to see it. I sat there for quite some time. Chapter 32, Guy Incognito. Years passed from the day of that faded phone call to my birth mother. I thought of my birth mother often, thoughts followed immediately by the memory of rejection. The sting of that feeling crept up whenever I felt insecure. I continued to tell my story to people who wanted to hear it, only now it had a dramatic ending. And she didn't want to meet me, so there you have it. And yes, it's very hard to take, but what can I do? I often thought about going back to the upstate to spy on her. Hey, I still had her address. I could park in the neighborhood by her house, wait for her to leave and follow her. I could bump into her in the same grocery store, walking down the same aisle. Our carts would, oh, accidentally, bump into one another. Oh, gracious, I'm so sorry, I'd say. How clumsy of me. Do you know where they stock the lemon curd in the store? Anything to keep her talking so that I could get a good look at her. All I had was this grainy high school yearbook picture. I wanted to know what she looked like now. Oh, the lemon curd, that's over there. Well, I'll just walk with you. Or I could drive up there, poke a roofing nail into my tire, and then drive through her neighborhood until the tire was good and flat. I'd end up in front of her house and knock on the door asking to have her call a tow truck for me. Of course, she would invite me in. I'm very charming. We would sit and wait, and maybe she would make some tea. We would have a lovely chat. Fortunately, I did none of those things, but I spent lots of time talking about the trip. I had friends ready and willing to go with me. There had to be a way to figure out what she looked like now. It was the last thing I could obsess about. I had found her. I had spoken with her. Now for a picture, please. 
Let's be very clear. If I heard that someone was looking for me and only had my high school yearbook picture to know what I looked like, I would move hell and high water to get them and remove that image from their minds forever. I hired a private investigator. He was going to send me pictures. He charged me a lot of money that I did not have to spend frivolously, but I knew it would be worth it. I imagined pictures of her. I imagined pictures of her getting into her car, looking over her shoulder, large Jackie O sunglasses on her face. Another photo outside her lovely home. She's waving to a neighbor, head tossed back in laughter. Another outside her church, shaking the hand of the old minister, smiling and holding the hand of a child. Maybe a girl. Maybe a girl that just looks like me. He called back with bad news. The fancy neighborhood she lived in didn't really allow for any recognizance. The driveways were behind the houses, and you drove down a narrow road to gain access to them. This was not conducive to sitting idly in a car. He would surely be noticed. He tried and failed, and that was all he could do for me, unless I wanted to pay him more. I did not have more money to give him. Once again, I got so close. Chapter 33. Do me a favor. Over the years, I never talked to mom and dad about looking for my birth mother. It was an understandably sore subject that was pushed under the rug along with everything else. They still fumed about the newspaper story. They thought I had portrayed them unfairly. They were just doing their best. I understood how they felt. Now that I was watching my own children spin around me with all the unexpected moods and tantrums that occupy the youngest minds, I told them how easy it was for me to look back on the past and make judgments. All children do it. Even before they're old enough to understand what their parents go through loving and raising a child. You make mistakes and you never hear the end of it, but you keep going. What we missed out on was true communication. We had it in the beginning, as soon as we learned language. Baba, my two-year-old son would demand, reaching for a sippy cup just out of arm's reach, his chubby face turning pink with exertion. It's not a baba, Aiden. Use your words. I can't help you if you don't use your words. I say in that stupid, overly calm mother voice I hear coming out of my face. If only we would continue to use our words all the time as we grow. Speak your truth. Talk. Don't keep it inside. Don't cover pain with flowery words. Don't baba over the feelings. Don't cover pain with flowery words. Mm -mm. Don't cover pain with flowery words. Don't baba over the feelings. I reminded them that I would not be content to live my whole life never knowing anything about the woman who had given birth to me, and I couldn't understand how they didn't have sympathy for that. That is in the past, my mother said. It entered the list of things you didn't talk about, like who you voted for in the last election, how much money you make, the fact that anyone in her family history might have owned another human being, whether or not you dyed your hair. I wanted them to see for themselves that my birth mother had been an upstanding young woman who simply made a mistake. I thought she deserved their respect. I was proud of her. I loved that I looked like her and that she looked like my children. I wanted my parents to see that and be happy for me and the good that had come out of the article. 
So it was rather begrudgingly that I shared with them the information I had to date. I carefully compiled my non-identifying information and the reports I had gotten from my first investigator to share with them. I would never tell them about the second investigator. I had already heard enough from my soon-to-be ex-second husband about the unscrupulous people just waiting to take advantage of me and my wallet. I drove over to our family home in Mount Pleasant to sit in the same den I sat in with such shame so many years ago and talked about my adoption. We took our exact positions on newer sofas. My father was particularly taken with her picture. He thought she looked just like my daughter, and my mother agreed. I thought it was interesting that they made it all about my daughter and not about me. It gave them that wall between my birth mother and themselves that would not let her touch them directly, or me. Well, what are you going to do now? My father asked. Oh, well, I called her last week. They both looked at me with interest. She said it wasn't her. She denied it. Silence from both. Eyes cast back down on the picture. My investigator says to give it time. She might come around. Don't get your hopes up, Elizabeth, my mother said, rising and heading off to the kitchen to finish making dinner. She may never be ready. Dad handed me back the pictures. I packed everything back up in the envelope. So, how much did all this cost you? Well, not as much as you think. The investigator could have really taken me to the cleaners, and I would have paid, but it was only $500. He stood up. Wait right here before you go. I stood and waited by the door. He returned, rather sheepishly, with a check written out to me for $500. I want to cover the cost of this for you. I know that's a lot of money. Oh, it's okay, Dad. I got this, I said. No, now, I should be helping you with this. I know how much it means to you. We stood there looking at each other. I knew at that moment that this was Dad trying to tell me he was sorry, and giving me this check was his way of helping and showing support. There were still no I love yous, but this, for him, was the next best thing. Do me a favor, he said, handing the check to me. If you ever get to meet her, I want to get a chance to meet her too. I didn't know what to say, so I hugged him. We are butlers, and we are huggers. He didn't have to buy his way in. I would have taken him with me anyway. Chapter 34 Social Media Facebook, the social media giant that would be the beginning and the end of so many relationships. As soon as I joined in 2008, I made a point of looking for my birth mother. She was not on Facebook, but I wondered if her children were. It had been seven years since that disappointing phone call. So much had changed. So many people were all over the Internet, including myself. The whispers got louder. You know, if I were in your shoes, I would be doing the same thing you are. I wondered. I did not know her children's names. Their names and the name of my birth father were never revealed to me. I was stuck again. I randomly checked to see if she had joined Facebook, but there was always nothing. Years later, another website would take the internet by storm. Ancestry.com 
I searched Ancestry.com for my birth mother and found her on a census record as a child. There she was, with her mother and father, my birth grandparents. Once I knew the names of her parents, it was easy to find them. I discovered that they had passed away after living long lives. Wait. They died. That meant there was an obituary, and obituaries have all kinds of family names in them, and that is public record. The deceased is survived by his daughter and her children and bingo, the brick wall cracks. I found my sister on Facebook right away. I found my sister on Facebook right away. One of her Facebook friends was her brother, so I knew I had the right kids. Not kids, though. All grown up. My sister's profile picture, the place you represent to the Facebook public what you look like, a Boykin Spaniel. Oh, I think that might not be good. In my Facebook experience, people usually put their dogs or their kids as a profile picture if they don't like the way they look. Maybe she's shy and insecure. My brother's profile picture? He was holding a couple of beers and wearing large sunglasses. College kid. I had found them, but I still could not see what they looked like. Would this frustration ever end? Could I at least see if we had any sibling resemblances? My brother's Facebook activity was very limited, so I focused on my sister. My sister. All of her privacy settings were on, so I was blocked from seeing her personal information and any of her pictures except that profile picture. There was no hope of snooping. I checked back every once in a while. Okay, almost daily. And no, that is not stalking, that is checking in. And the profile picture finally changed. It was a person in a Cinderella character outfit with a baby on her lap. Did she have children? Were they at Disney World? I needed to work harder to crack this case. I finally thought, why not just Google her and see if she has done anything newsworthy? Maybe she has a blog teaching people how to train Boykin Spaniels and plan family vacations to Disney World. And there she was. She was an actress. She did theater, just like me. And she was good. She had leading roles. She looked like me. My friends saw it even more than I did. A sister. I have a sister. I could look at her. It turned out she was not visiting Cinderella. She was Cinderella in that picture. I saw it clearly now. She was doing an event. She looked to be in her mid-twenties. I decided to send her a friend request. She had hundreds of friends. What's one more? She did not take the bait. My sister is a careful girl. Okay, that's good. Not good for me, though. I tried again and attached a note, some total BS about moving to her town and looking to meet other theater folks. She didn't fall for that one either. I'm worried now that she is thinking I am some total nut job and she's going to block me. Then Mother's Day rolled around. Everyone on Facebook was posting images of themselves with their mothers. It was so nice to see them all. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. Themselves with their mothers. I opened my sister's page, and there they were, mother and daughter, their arms around each other in a casual embrace, wearing large black sunglasses. Seriously, 
What is it with these people? Do they sell sunglasses? Why can't they take them off for a photo? I decided it was time. I needed to write another letter to my birth mother to see now, after all this time, if she would agree to meet me. Her kids were grown. It would be so much easier. I started to compose the letter, deleting it, rewriting it. I tossed and turned on sleepless nights and wondered how I should approach her yet again. Then, there was a January 2011 episode of The Oprah Winfrey Show. Oprah had a shocker for the viewers that day. She had a long-lost sister. I watched this episode fascinated. I don't think I moved the entire hour. This woman had known Oprah was her sister for a long time. She had reached out, but never really pressed the issue. She handled it really well, Oprah's sister. You could see in the interview that she was clearly not after Oprah for her wealth and fame. She was only looking for that family connection, filling that hole that most all adopted children share. She was very interested in meeting Oprah's mother, her mother, too. Oprah's mother was not open to the idea, and viewers saw a very tender moment when Oprah faced the camera and assured her mother that what she did was brave and noble and the best thing she could have done for this daughter of hers. There was no need to feel shame anymore. Let the shame go. It was my big moment of realization, my aha moment. Shame. What a powerful emotion my birth mother might have felt. It might even be tinged with guilt. I gave away a baby. I could see more clearly now that my mother was never going to be able to break down this wall and let me into her life. Was it all too shameful? How could she explain it to her children, to her husband? It was never going to work for me. No letter, no phone call, no accidental meeting in the grocery store would ever work. If I was going to have any chance of meeting her and being any part of her life, I had to go through my sister. I thought and thought about it. I composed this letter a hundred times, until I was finally brave enough to send it. Facebook message sent July 11th, 2011. I sent a friend request to you a month or so ago. I was hoping we could get to know each other on Facebook, as superficial as that could be, for a little bit before I sent you this message. I hope this isn't too shocking for you to hear, and I do hope this is not the first you have heard of this but I fear it probably is, and for that, I am sorry. However, I wanted to reach out to you and have wanted to for quite some time. So here we go. On February 29, 1968, gave birth to a girl she put up for adoption. That was me. I was adopted by Dr. and Mrs. John Butler of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and I grew up in a privileged household. I was not aware I was adopted until I was 15. It came to me as the shock that perhaps this is coming to you. My hope is that with you being older and wiser than a 15-year-old girl, you will be able to process what I am telling you in a way that won't damage the relationship you have at home. What did was hard for her, I'm sure. She was brave. She gave me a wonderful life without the shame my life might have caused her family and her back in the 1960s. 
I have nothing but respect for her. Ten years ago, I searched for her once I had the first two of my four children. Finally having someone in my life that I could look at and see me made me yearn to meet this woman more than ever. And believe me, the desire had burned deeply in me for all those years. I only have one picture of her, a Xerox copy from her yearbook. I have never seen another. I hired an agency that got my original birth certificate, and I contacted your mother. She was not open to meeting me, but I have to say she was very compassionate with me on the phone. She took the expected route of denying it. I did not push it. I wrote her a letter shortly after that I would not pursue her again, that I understood she had young children, and I did not want to rock her world. Who knows? Her own husband may not know, and I imagine that would be scary for her. So I've waited all these years to try to find you. I wanted you to be old enough to have compassion for your mother's secret and privacy. I wanted you to be able to meet me if you would like and vet me and see if your mother would ever like to meet me. Of course, we could merely be Facebook friends for a while so you could look into my life and assure yourself that I'm not a freak. I'm not needy emotionally. I am looking for a connection, not a sister. Maybe we could get there one day, but I'm not one to push myself on anyone. This is your choice. It's been 10 years since I made an attempt to meet your mother. I hope this alone proves to you that I was not a stalker or a weirdo. If you did friend me, rest assured I will not make mention of this in a public forum. I will not pressure you to meet me. The interesting thing about finding you, well, there are many, but we are both theater girls. My adopted family was not in any way, but that part of me could not be denied, and I have been an active theater performer since I was 16. You can Google me. You will see that I am an accomplished wedding and portrait photographer, a wife, a mother of four, a theater regular, and I hope a good friend. Please take your time. I apologize for the shock, but if I were you, I would have wanted to know. And not to sound like a total dork, but when Oprah met her sister on the show, I had my aha moment about you. I sent that message at two in the afternoon. I was leaving shortly after that to go to work. I was photographing a wedding on an island that did not have proper cell towers, and I knew I would be completely unable to obsessively check my messages. I could allow time to pass, and maybe my sister would see it. I was thinking about it constantly, though. I could not stop the train. All day long, I second-guessed my move. What if I upset her? What if she was some horrible spoiled brat who wanted nothing to do with me? What if she thought I was lying or scamming her and never even responded? I prayed. I didn't do that a lot, but this was as good a time as any to ask the universe to help me, to assure me that I had done the right thing. So I asked for a sign. I knew it had to be unique. I knew it had to be something out of place. The first word that popped into my head was feather. Well, that's not unusual. I was on an island. There were birds everywhere. And then I had the inkling of a thought. A feather you would never see on a beach. Fine. Fine. The wedding went well. The pictures were turning out beautifully. The sunset was amazing. We wrapped up the portrait session on the beach and started to head to the reception. I was laughing and joking with the couple when I bent down to get my shoes. And right there, a few feet away, I saw a feather. A peacock feather. 
You didn't ever see that on the beach. I had my sign, and my spirits were immediately lifted. I was full of hope. I returned home to find this message waiting for me, sent the same day, just five hours after mine. My email dinged on her phone while she was backstage preparing for a show in her hometown theater. She was wearing a lobster costume and waiting for the curtain to rise on a matinee production of a children's musical. Later, even, she laughed about the strange moment of having to conduct herself as the most believable lobster while her brain was spinning with information. She had to anxiously wait for the show to end before trying to contact her, our, mother, to find out if this was true. After the show, my sister hightailed it over to her, our, mother's house and pulled her aside from the rest of the family, gathering for their typical Sunday meal together. My sister mentioned that they sat outside on a bench in the backyard. The sun was starting to slowly set, casting long shadows on the ground that seemed to be leaning into them, listening to their whispers. She wasn't quite sure where to begin, so she blurted it all out at once. This email arrived, and I don't understand what's going on. Could this even be true? Who is this woman? My mother sat in stunned silence, eyes barely able to focus on her daughter's face. She looked at my sister and began to cry as the confession of her most deeply held secret poured from her heart. She was a young, unmarried woman when this happened, and she was scared and didn't know what to do. Only her best friend and her parents knew. And to this day, with the loss of her parents and the deep trust in her lifelong friend, the secret had been hers to keep. How many times, in how many years, had she found herself moving throughout her day and thoughts of me would creep in? Did she suddenly stop what she was doing? Did her eyes soften as her mind drifted to another time, another place? Did she linger in that fog of memory until the sounds of her children clamoring into the room returned her to the tasks at hand? Based on our mother's response, my sister gently informed me that she was not ready to meet me. She needed time to get over the shock and adjust. Unbeknownst to me, there were other family issues going on simultaneously, and the combination set her into a tailspin. Family, I think. One day, maybe we will be a family. I find myself split between feeling excited and devastated all at once. But here I am. I'm ready now. My newly found sister and I made a plan to speak on the phone the next day. She said she had a million questions for me, and I had a million and one for her. We made a date to talk the next night. It was not lost on me that it was the night of the Tony Awards, and the theater sisters would be talking for the first time. Brick wall begins to crumble. We were on the phone that night for an hour and a half. There was so much to say and ask. I decided from the beginning that I would just let her do all the talking. There was no need for me to get too excited. I would remain calm. It really wasn't necessary, because we had a great talk. It flowed easily, getting to know each other and letting her tell me about her family. She had questions for me about my life, curious if we had ever done any of the same plays. Our conversation was filled with more than pleasantries. It was sincere. I asked a lot of questions about our mother. I mainly wondered, what kind of mother was she? How did she feel about her theatrical daughter? Was she supportive? 
Turns out she was a very supportive theater mom. She did not limit herself to merely being a spectator. She volunteered backstage. They even dragged our poor brother around and often found himself in the background. Townsperson number one. However, now was indeed a hard time for them. Her father was a recent cancer survivor, and afterwards his personality unexpectedly changed. This quiet, kind man was suddenly argumentative and making rash decisions in business and life. He'd left my mother and all but ignored his children. It was heartbreaking to hear all this was happening. She was right. I could not have chosen a worse time to try to meet my mother. Yet I could not have also chosen a better time. They were a broken family. They might have never needed me in their lives before, but they did now. My sister suffered a great loss with the absence of her father, and without either of us really knowing it at that moment, I had arrived at just the right time to fill that void. My sister ended up being my savior, and I hers. I gave her something to think about that was hopeful, not hopeless. I was again in the midst of her loss. We were the perfect balm for each other. We ended our first conversation on a high note. I asked her for a favor before we hung up. I told her that I had never seen more than a high school picture of my mother and asked her to send me one. I didn't want her to think she wasn't equally important to me, so I asked for one with the two of them together. She agreed, and I hung up elated. I was going to finally see a proper photograph of my mother. I would see my family, maybe even my new brother. Brother.